Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. With your host, Philip Randazzo. Happy Monday, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We have another fantastic, fantastic interview. And real real quick, I just realized that I said happy Monday, and I don't know that I've ever used those two words together. I don't know if any of you have ever heard those two words used together before, happy and Monday. But that is why we release these episodes on Monday, at, for, at least for no other reason than to give you something to look forward to at the start of your work week, school week, whatever that looks like for you. We do this to give you something to kind of brighten up those those Monday blues that most of us seem to have when the week begins. Now, however, this is a little bit of a different week. We had the exclusive release on Friday of the Michael Carr podcast, which did super well. We've been getting a lot of great feedback from it. But today we have a, a freaking high-level interview, guys. You guys are going to be so thrilled to to know who's on the show today. And I just got to put a little disclaimer out. We This is the first ever interview that I did over the phone. And the sound quality is less than, uh, less than average. We'll just put it that way. That's putting it lightly. So for those of you who don't care because you either love the show so much or this guest is just that high level, which she is, let me just tell you, uh, please brave the elements and just give the show a listen. There's so much information, so much great knowledge and, and stuff that is shared in this episode. I really cannot wait for you guys to dive in, but I just want to give that disclaimer. It is a little staticky and it is a little bit quiet, so you are going to have to turn your volume up just a little bit, but I promise you it's worth it. So let me get into who our guest is today, and that is Miss Christine Hassler. Now, this is one of those people that a lot of you probably already have heard of. She is about as high level as it gets, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into her bio. So Christine Hassler is the best-selling author of Expectation Hangover, The 20-Something Manifesto, and 20-Something, 20-Everything. That is right up our alley at the Yield Mastermind Group and the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. So she left her successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life she could be passionate about. For over a decade as a speaker, retreat facilitator, and those are all over the world, spiritual psychologist and life coach, and she's the host of the top-ranked podcast over it, over it and on with it. And let me tell you guys, it is an awesome show. You have to check that out. She has been teaching and inspiring people around the world. Christine believes once we get out of our own way, we can show up to make the meaningful impact that we are here to make. And we can find everything that is Christine Hassler at Christine Hassler with two S's.com. Now, I mean, she she is the perfect guest for the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. She focuses on 20-somethings. She had her own, she calls it a quarter-life crisis that she not only made it through, but literally killed it through this crisis. She is impacting people on a major, major scale. Her social networks are crazy with following. I mean, she's got 10,000 plus followers on just about every network, which just goes to show how much impact she's making and how much she is providing to people who are willing to listen. So without further ado, let's hop right into it. Here is my interview with Miss Christine Hassler after a word from our sponsors. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Fuel 101. Now, guys, if you're looking for a book that's going to help give you a framework to succeed, to reach your goals, to accomplish those things you've always wanted to accomplish, to take that leap of faith, maybe get you out of your comfort zone a little bit, you know, you might be a person that isn't quite sold on personal development books, self-help books, maybe you're a young person who doesn't feel like the books relate to you, you could be any age, Rocket Fuel 101 is a six-step process that's going to propel you towards your goals and stop you from drifting through life. This is one of those books that's going to provide you with a framework. This six-step process is going to help you figure out your passions, pick a trajectory, you know, launch your mission, go ahead, set those goals, go 100% at it. If you're going to bring people along with you, you're going to find a mastermind network. There's so many things that this book is going to give you. You do not want to miss out on getting a copy for yourself. And in sponsoring the show, Rocket Fuel 101 is going to give you 15% off any and all purchases of books, whether it be the hard copy or ebook. All you have to do is go to the Rocket Fuel 101 numbers, Rocket Fuel 101 book.com. Again, that's the Rocket Fuel 101 book.com. And when you're at the checkout, type in the promo code podcast. That's promo code podcast. You are going to receive 15% off your purchase. And this is something, it's not a one time deal. You will get this no matter how many purchases you make. All right, so here's what I want you guys to do in this order. Go to therocketfuel101book.com. Get yourself, your friends, your family, whoever you want. Get them a copy of the book. Enter promo code podcast and start reading. You guys don't want to miss out on this. All right, hello, Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo. And today we have another special exclusive interview and that is with Miss Christine Hassler. Christine, how's it going? It's going so well. It's another beautiful day in Southern California. I can't complain. Fantastic. I'm here in Chicago right now, and it is not Ooh. a beautiful day here oh, in Chicago. Um, uh, I went to college in Chicago, and I I think I like left before the ink on my diploma was dry. I was like, how quickly can I move? Oh my goodness! Now? Yeah. I was done with losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I grew up in Las Vegas, so Chicago is like the total opposite. And the only reason I'm still here is my girlfriend is finishing up grad school. If that wasn't the case, you better believe I'd be I'd be out of the Midwest very quickly. That is love. Yeah, when you when you fight negative thirty degree weather, that is love to me. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm I'm going to share that with my girlfriend because uh, sometimes she she needs to be she needs to be reminded of that. But yeah, just have a listen to this episode. Let's listen to a good one. Take a listen. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um. So, Christine. You know, you are someone who experienced, you know, like you called it, a quarter-life crisis, um, and mm-hmm. you had some things go on. You you were you were working a job that other people perceived as successful. You were someone who was very driven. You had found a lot of success in that area, but that just was not fulfilling for you. And so you stepped out of your comfort zone and did something totally contrary, and you found major success with that. And I, I'd like it if you could just speak to that a little bit. Sure. Well, backing up just a little bit, you know, I, I think that every 20-something and 30-something, like, today experiences a quarter-life crisis, especially if you're listening to this show, because that means you're on a path of personal development, you're awake, you're not happy with the status quo, you don't want to repeat the life your parents lived or other baby boomers or whatever. And, like, 
you know, I, I, I wish that we could just totally get rid of this whole expectation that you're supposed to have your life figured out by the time you finish college or grad school or hit 30. Because um, it's just not true at whatsoever. And, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I just, I'm trying to agree with you. I mean, literally, that's, uh, that's something that I struggle with immensely. And, and every single person that I've talked to who's talked about the show, it's like, how can you expect me, is this what they're saying to me, how can you expect me to have everything figured out by the time I'm 22 and someone right. basically told them to pick a major? I, I find that a lot of times people don't even pick the majors that they're going for. No, not at all. It makes no difference. And let's face it, college really doesn't prepare us for life that well. And I don't even know what's going to happen with colleges unless they kind of start to adapt more to the way consciousness is going. Um, because, you know, we're on this rapid time of human evolution. And, you know, what's happening in technology is also happening in consciousness. And we're not, we no longer can live doing the same thing for 40 years. Like, that old way of doing things is just completely gone. And we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. We're constantly evolving, especially if we're awake. So I just want to say, like, if you're one of the people that thinks you have to have it all figured out now, just drop that. Just completely let that go. And hopefully in talk today, we'll get to how can you approach your life from a different perspective, from more of a place of vision, from more of a place of um, aligning to what your unique secret sauce is, from more of a place of, you know, what are my life lessons? What am I here to learn and how am I here to share that? Because from my personal experience, just going back and answering your question, I was an extreme overachiever. And in, in my last book, Expectation Hangover, I talk about how we all have these compensatory strategies, the way we make up for where we feel less than or not enough. And I was teased, I was bullied, I was not the cool kid. So I compensated by becoming an overachiever. Other compensatory strategies are you're a people pleaser, you're a caretaker, you're a restaurant, or you're a control freak. Like, what do you do to maintain a sense of identity and get your work and validation? And the thing about being an overachiever as a compensatory strategy is it's very rewarded by society. I mean, I, I was a straight-A student. I was always at the top of my class, and everybody was like, you're going to be so successful. Like, that's so awesome. But what was driving me was massive insecurity. You know, I was trying to compensate. So enough was never enough. Enough was never enough. And I, I, grabbed, I went to Northwestern, moved out to Los Angeles, and uh, was a very successful agent, very young age, and I was just constantly hoping that something, the job, the money, the boyfriend, being a certain size, whatever, would fill this void I had. And no matter what I checked off my list, I still didn't have that, that feeling of fulfillment that I so wanted. And what I started to realize was that my relationship with myself was terrible. And I never even really thought about it. Like, I never realized the importance of our relationship to ourselves. Because I thought being hard on myself was fine because it made me, it made me driven, you know, it, it, and it got things done. And what I realized in the entertainment industry is not only did I not like the job, but I didn't like who I was becoming. I was short-tempered. Um, I was working terrible hours. I, I just, I was getting hard. And I ended up resigning. And then um, four other things happened. I went into tons of debt. I got diagnosed with an undiagnosable autoimmune disorder. I was estranged from my family for a while over a disagreement, and six months before my wedding, my fiance got me. So I lost career, health, money, family, love. And that was my quarter life crisis. That meant that I lost bottom. And I looked at, wow, the common 
all of this. And it's really easy to flip into victim when stuff like this happens, you mm-hmm. know? Like, oh, I got jumped, or oh, you know, and victim gets his attention, <laughs> and it, it, it's easy to go there, but I really was like, no, maybe this is really happening for a reason, and beyond just the cliche, what what really can I dig in and learn? And I think that that's the thing that this generation, our generation, is really privileged to kind of be born into. We're living in a time when we're realizing there's more to life than just the external stuff. But realizing that at our core, we want to feel loved, we want to feel connected, we want to feel a sense of belonging. And I think that's why so many millennials want to make an impact. But we can't make the impact that we want to make unless we're, like, good inside ourselves, unless we feel some of that, those compensatory strategies and that relationship with ourselves and get really clear about who we are and what we want to do rather than building careers from our ego or from something we need to prove or from competition or any of those things. And that is absolutely spot on. And you hit on a couple things there that um, that I'm totally totally a proponent of. And before we get into that, did you play sports when you were younger? Because that that being hard on yourself thing, it totally resonates with me, especially growing up as an athlete and playing college basketball. It's like if you're not hard on yourself, like you're not doing something right in the sports sphere of things. It's very funny that you asked me if I play sports. I'm just laughing because I was like the farthest. Oh, wow. I mean, I played a little tennis. My sport was school. That's where I was competitive. Like, I would cry if I got a B. And God so good if I got a B. Oh, my God. My parents were like, she's going to be honey. It's okay. I'm like, no, I have to get 100. So that was my sport. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the same thing um, relates, and it's just like when you're so hard on yourself, I think you're totally right. It's just it's tough for you to go inside and kind of figure out what's going on. And you you keep using the word awake. You know, you need to be awake to to the things that are going on. And if you could just real quickly define that. I mean, I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and I, I get the whole idea of awakening to you know this this stuff that conscious society like the, society is just so totally conventional, and people follow right. the path. It's just it doesn't make sense to me. And I think everyone listening. And agree that that's just not the way that things are going, like you hit on. So, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of, um, what is awakening? So, the best way I can describe it is when you're awake, you know that you are a co-creator of your life. You realize that your thoughts and your beliefs create your reality, and you liberate yourself from life happens to me to life happens for me. You stop asking why is this happening, and you start asking what am I learning you realize that we're all one. So things like competition start to go away and things like collaboration become more important. And you also realize that, you know, your life is really not about achieving things. It's really about growing in consciousness and evolving. And how we do that is letting go of the things in the past, healing old issues, forgiveness, changing our belief systems, updating our programming, coming from a place um, that's more from our heart than from our ego. Wow, yep, that's spot on. And do you have any resources or tools that people can use to uh, kind of access that stuff? Because I feel like a lot of us, before I had stumbled upon this whole world of uh, of holistic lifestyle and, you know, kind of awakening to everything that, that human beings as a whole are together, uh, I, I mean, 
the first book I ever read was called The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell, and it was just so funny. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's a fantastic book, and it's so funny because I it's like a whole new world was open to me, and uh, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people live like that, and when I you know share these these ideas with people, it's very eye-opening to them because I feel like they're very sheltered from this type of information. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I wrote my first two books, 2020 Everything and the 2020 Manifesto, which is for men and women, um, was because I couldn't find the book for, <laughs> like, the millennial, you know? And I was like, yeah. oh, I guess I have to write it. Um, I never planned on writing a book. It never, I never planned on any aspect of my career, ever. So I, I was like, well, I need this book, so I'm going to write it. So those were, you know, my resources in a lot of ways. Um, An Expectation Hangover, my last one, really goes into how to, I mean, the subtitle is See Yourself in Your Past, Change Your Present, and Get What You Really Want. So it's all it's all how to feel emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, spiritually. And, and that's really kind of my system and my what I took from everything I've read, all my teachers, and just my own intuition and working with people for 12 years. Um, and then outside of that, what I really found is that instead of recommending to people, oh, go get this book, mm-hmm. I say set the intention that the tools, information, tools, resources, and teachers come to you. Because I really believe when you set a strong intention of, like, I'm ready for my teacher, I'm ready for the tools, I'm ready for the right book, something will be recommended. Something will pop up on your Amazon feed that you'll, like, resonate with. You'll overhear somebody talking about something. It, it will find you if you have a strong intention. Because we all have different paths, and, you know, one teacher may work for one person and it might not for another. You may really resonate with Joseph Campbell. Somebody else might really resonate with, like, Tony Robbins. Totally yep. different avatar, right? Yep. So I think you have to be open to, like, what letting our intuition and, and almost letting the universe guide us. Yeah, man, that's great. That's a great insight, and just the ability to be open is changes your life, and I, and you can obviously attest to that. And so you you touched on all your books, which I I really want to dive into. And in the Twenty Something Manifesto, you talk about three phases that that people go through. If you wouldn't mind just kind of uh, expanding on that for for the audience. Sure, I'd love to. So, um, so Twenty Something Manifesto I wrote after like probably five years of coaching millennials and being one and going through my own stuff. And and in in college, one of my majors was psychology. Um, and I, you know, you study Eric, the stages of development, and the developmental stages stop at your teenage years in most psychological, you know, research and, and literature study. And when I was looking, I was like, wait a second, you know, this whole quarter life crisis, and there's the astrological Saturn return, like, people are really evolving and growing and developing until their mid-30s, and then beyond, like, as soon as you keep evolving, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. But, the 20, early 30-something years are incredibly transformational. Who you are at 22 and who you are at 33 is not the same person, <laughs> you know? It's just not. And so to say that, that's like saying a 10-year-old and a 20-year-old are the same. Yeah. So the three stages are, and the first one, these, these ages that I'm going to give you are just parameters, um, but you'll kind of know where you are. But so the first is called the basic. And this is where, this is like college age to early 20s. And this is when you're not quite awake yet. Your identity is based more on what you've been told about you. Like if you were told you were smart your whole life, you believe you're smart. You know, if you were told you're funny your whole life, you believe that. If everyone's like, oh, you should be a doctor, you believe that. 
So your kind of sense of identity based based on what you've been told and your roles in life. Like when I ask people in the basic phase of awareness, who are you? They say things like, you know, I'm from Texas. I'm a brother. I'm an engineer student. Like they define themselves by roles and identity. And then also you kind of measure yourself up against your peers. You, you get a standard for yourself, and a lot of your self-worth comes from how you measure up to other people around your community. So there's a lot of comparison that happens. Um, there's also kind of a lot of confusion and pressure on, like, the checklist. You know, I've got to get this by a certain age. Yeah. And so there's sort of just kind of a formulaic way of living. And then in your mid-20s, your late 20s, you move into the investigative stage. And this is the stage most commonly when people say, I'm having a quarter-life crisis. And this is when a lot of expectation hangovers happen. Things don't go according to plan. Either life goes supposed to be an unexpected curveball if you can't get a job, or you've been working for years in a job and a career that you went to college for, that you worked really hard to get, but newsflash, you don't like it. <laughs> that, was like all, that was kind of like me. All of a sudden, realize what I worked so hard for, I'm not happy. Or you finally get that relationship you want and you're not happy, or whatever it may be. So that's when you start to really go, wait a second. Like, what do I, who am I really? What do I really believe? Do I even want to do the same religion that I was raised as? You know, do I want to do the things my parents told me I would always do? Um, do I want to live what I'm living? What, these old issues that I'm carrying around, like, Maybe I need to look at them. So that's when you really start to investigate and do a lot of uh, personal growth work. And this is a this is a rough stage. I mean, it can be hairy. It's kind of like whoa, like everything that you know, it's, it's rocking the boat because yeah. you're willing to, to look at some things. And then the final stage in our late twenties and thirties is really the integrated stage, and that's when the new beliefs start to drop in because we start to change behavior. You know, we're not doing the same things we always did. We're not dating the same person over and over with a different face. You know, we're not um, staying in a job just for safety. We're, we're actually starting to see our behavior is changing. So our beliefs are changing. And that integrated phase is really where we become, it's, it's to me when we really step into adulthood, when we really are like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I want to take from my family, my parents, and my conditioning. And this is what I want to leave behind. And this is the new set of beliefs and programming that I want to start to feed. And then that really starts to determine more the jobs you get into, the relationships you get into, so and so forth. Perfect. Yeah. And, and man, as you were going through those three stages, I can picture myself in each and every one. It's, it's so funny and it's so true. And um, I think it's awesome that you took it upon yourself to, like you said, you know, there wasn't a book out there. There wasn't a resource out there for you that was helping you. So you had to do it yourself. And, um, yes. you know, for you to be doing what you love as a living is, uh, is an incredible thing. And I think a lot of people don't ever get to experience that. And it's, it's very sad that they don't get to experience the amount of joy and pleasure and fulfillment that comes from doing what you love every single day without being restricted. You know, you don't, you, you get to do it eight hours a day, 10, 12 hours a day because you're not working that full-time job to pay the bills, et cetera. And uh, so I just kind of want to segue here. What was it like? So, you know, you've had this, this quarter-life crisis. You've changed direction. What was it like the, for the first person that you ever coached? What was that experience like for you? I would love to answer that question, but can I back up this question? Oh, of course, yes. Because there are maybe people listening that are working a full-time job. Yeah. And I, I believe that, that, that you can totally be happy and do things you love and work a full-time job. Um, because we create our reality. You know, 
know. So, A, you need to decide if the corporate job and environment you're in is toxic. Like, if you're in a place where you have a boss that's terrible, um, you know, you're seeing these cubicle all day, and you're, you're, you're eating more, and you're depressed, and, like, whatever, okay, time to have some courage and maybe look for something mm-hmm. But more and more corporations are waking up, and people underestimate the impact they can make on a corporation. I work with a lot of people who come to me and want to change jobs and be an entrepreneur and whatever, and I'm like, first of all, being an entrepreneur is not just, like, with some grammar. Like, it's just <laughs> some hard work. And you have to be a self-starter and a motivator, and, like, if, if that's not your personality type, like, be really honest with yourself and get really clear about what you love and how you can bring that to your current job. You know, again, like a lot of people I told, they, they hate their job, and once we start to shift them, you know, and their beliefs and the way they communicate and, and their attitude and, and they start to see the opportunities they actually have at their current job, it, it begins to shift, and they're like, wow, I can bring more of what I love to the job because the things we love aren't based on the actual former activity. It's how they make us feel. Mm. So, you know, I love some of my superpowers are intuition, passion, creativity, connections, love, nurture, all that. And so I, you know, any job I had, I would bring that even in. Even when I'm out in the world and I'm running errands or doing what I'm doing or dealing with something stressful, if I bring that side of me to it, I can find joy. So gotcha. I just wanted to say that for people that, you know, you're not trapped if you're working for someone else. Being an entrepreneur is not the only way to have freedom and happiness. No, yeah, you're totally right, and thank you for making that distinction, and uh, I, I should rephrase that because what I'm talking about and when I say working a full-time job is exactly what you explained at the beginning was the toxic environment where you hate your yeah. boss and you hate everything you're doing, but you're right. People make a huge impact in wherever they're at when, when they have that mindset mindset shift, uh, and like you're talking about, you know, seeing where they have their superpowers and being able to bring that into any situation. I think that's a great distinction, so thank you. Yeah, well said, well said. So, um, in terms of working with the first client, so it was in 2004, and I was on a radio show talking about the portal life crisis, and a guy called me and said, I really want you to call my girlfriend. And, you know, you sounded a lot like her. She's really stressed out. I don't know what to do. And that's the thing. Like, God bless men. Like, <laughs> men, I just love men. Men are such, like, all you men out there, you're fixers. And women, we're like, we're just unfixable sometimes because we're just in our own, like, ah, feminine, whatever. <laughs> and you so want to fix us and you so want to help us. And so often you just don't have the tools. And, and that's not even what we want. We just kind of want to be heard. So I just love men because they just so want to, like, help and, like, just solve the problem, you know? Yeah. And so he, he called me um, for, you know, for that. And I, I was like, oh, okay. And I went to my coach at the time and I said, because a lot of people, like when people are always talking to people for the book and stuff, they were like, oh, I want to set up a session with you. And I'd say, I'm my life coach or a counselor. And they'd say, oh, really? Like, I, I thought you were or you should be. And I heard that over and over and over again. And so finally I went to my coach and I'm like, well, I like, this is what people are telling me. And she said, I know, that's your gift. And I said, all right, well, will you help me? You know, I want to get trained and certified and all that. Will you help me? And I'm conscious and so I studied with her. So... And I got this call for the radio show. I called her, and she's like, all right, like, let's do it. And I'll never forget my first session. I was over the phone, and, like, you know, I had all my notes, and I was all set up, and I found myself very nervous. <laughs> and I remember one thing Mona said to me. She's like, your number one job is to create a space of unconditional love and to really listen. It's not your job to fix anybody. And in that first session, I really realized 
power of listening and just really being with someone and holding that safe space. So the first part of my development as a coach wasn't having all these fancy tools. It was getting to a place inside myself where I could really hold a space where I wasn't judging people and I wasn't attached to, well, I've got to say something great so that I look like a great coach. So it was more about how do I, because I, I really feel my job as a, as a coach, as a facilitator, as a teacher, is to teach people how to fish, not give them the fish, right? Yep. So everyone has, everyone, you, everyone listening, me, we all have the inner resources we need to answer our own questions. And so I'm just there to illuminate the blind spots and help people find their own inner resources and expand their toolbox. I love the word illuminate. I think that creates a perfect picture as to uh, as to what you can do as a coach and, and as what it really explains what people do have on the inside. I mean, it's such an illuminate, illuminated, it's, it's just such a glowing, awesome power, and you're right. Mm-hmm. I think people just need to unlock it and kind of break away at the stone that is the outer body and, and find that gold on the inside, and that's great exactly. advice. Yeah, so I, that's actually a great transition into expectation hangover, and that's the third book that you've written, and I think, you know, you hit on your first session. You kind of have these expectations, uh, these things that you thought were going to happen, and luckily for you, you figured out or you had a mentor that told you, uh, you know, not to, to give in to those things, but I think a lot of people have so many expectations about everything they have going on, and that's what ends up messing up a lot of situations that they have. It ends up mm-hmm. blocking them from things that, that could go well for them. So if you could just kind of explain what the book is about and what really an expectation hangover is and, and why or, or ways that we can kind of defeat it. Sure. So an expectation hangover is when one of three things happens. Either a desire to result is not met. You don't get the job you wanted. You don't get the grad school you wanted. You launch a business and it fails from the perception. Or you get what you want talked about this earlier, you do get what you want, but you don't get the feeling you thought you would. So it's kind of like, oh, like, I worked so hard, like, I went to bed school, and now I have to be the doctor, and I've talked to a lot of people like that. Um, or life just throws you this unexpected curveball, where you're like, whoa, like, didn't see that coming. And that can be anything from, you know, a car accident that, you know, costs you a lot of money, to losing a job, to being dumped. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, to being diagnosed with an illness, you know, just all those unexpected curveballs. So that's what an expectation hangover is. And it's, you know, it's, it's basically disappointment. And you have a feeling that you do similar to a hangover. Your head is hurting, maybe not a headache, but it's spinning from all the anxiety and confusion and uncertainty. There's a sense of regret. Often there's lack of motivation. You know, you kind of feel like you lose your mojo. Um, and you just want it to be over. And so what I realized is that Suffering comes from when our reality is not match our expectations. And we as human beings really like control and certainty. We don't like not knowing. We really, really don't. We want to know. And so when an expectation hangover happens, there is that uncertainty. You know, we feel a sense of loss of control. And all we want to do is get that control back. We want things to go according to our expectations. However, one of the major life lessons we're all here to learn is we don't have control. You know, you and I have, we have an idea of what's going to happen the rest of the day for us, but there's a myriad of things that can happen that can change that. And so when we realize that we have influence, we have meaning over our life, but not full control, 
it really helps us within the flow of life rather than, you know, our tunnel vision that's just based on our expectations. Because, you know, our expectations are usually formed from a very limited perspective. You know, like, um, again, like my example of I expected myself to be very successful because people always told me that. Mm-hmm. And I was always the smart one. And so I had this expectation that I had to go out and have a big fancy career. And because of that, I never let myself explore. I never let myself travel. I never let myself do things just for fun because I had this expectation that I had to go be, you know, a CEO by 25. So our days can become very limiting like that. And they can come from parents, they can come from society, they can come from peers. Mostly they come from ourselves. And we accept this kind of status quo for ourselves without really doing deep inner work of, like, what do I really want? And so what the book is about is really about using disappointment, using expectations in over because most people don't come to me or read a book or come to a workshop because they're like, oh, Christine, everything's in my life is so great, and I just stop, you know, I just kind of chill for a while. <laughs> they, they don't. They come to me because they're like, I'm confused. I don't have the love that I want in my life. I hate my job. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not choosing my parents. Like, there's a problem. There's an expectation hangover. And I wanted people to have a formula for how to leverage it because there's that saying, time heals all women. And I'm like, I'm not waiting for freaking time to hear my Like, I want, I want tools, like, now so I can tell them because otherwise you just, keep, you just keep repeating the same expectation hangover over and over again with, like, a different cast of characters in different situations. So why not really learn how to leverage it, heal it, so you don't have to have the same ones over and over and over again? Man, that is something that I could have used many years ago, and that is something that I'm sure a lot of people are going to benefit a lot from. And I think you're right. You know, time heals all wounds. I think it just kind of patches it, patches these wounds up a little bit, yeah. and uh, we don't really see the amount of growth that we should. And I, and I think having a tool set to do just that is absolutely essential. So thank you for providing that with us. And so I have one more question before we go into uh, – a rapid-fire portion here. What is the next big thing that you're looking forward to? I know that you do retreats all over the world. Yep. You speak. You coach. What is the one next thing that you're really most looking forward to doing? Oh, my gosh. Professionally or personally? Either or. Could be both. Okay, I'll answer both. So, professionally, I just launched a podcast, um, which is a dream come true for me because I really love coaching people. And after doing it for so long, and this really is my zone of genius, um, I can't sing, I can't dance, I'm a terrible artist. <laughs> However, like, you know, working with people and creating transformation with them is, like, how God uses me. So I always wanted to do, like, a call-in radio show where I could put people live on the air in, like, 10, 15-minute windows and also teach tools. And so my podcast is that. It's live, live coaching. People call in. I don't know them. There's no setup. We get right on. I record it. And they have a question or an issue, and we do great transformation with them right there. And as a listener, it's really cool because the other thing I realized from doing so many retreats is that when other people watch someone get coached, they often have the biggest aha moment because they were all connected. We, you know, I'm sure there's so many things I said today that you resonated with, you know, and we all have things that we connect with, and your defenses are down when you hear somebody else. So, People are loving listening to it because they're like, oh, my gosh, I learned so much about myself because that person, like, really was, like, speaking my words. Um, and then I break down and give tools and transformation after the call. So 
I'm just so excited about it. I, I love the vulnerability people have had on the air. Like, it's these lots of really deep places. It's been super cool. Um, I, you know, at my heart, like, I just I feel like I've eaten at this great restaurant, and I want to share it with everyone. You know, I was a very depressed, self-critical, negative, um, almost suicidal. Like, I was, like, not a happy person for a lot of my life. And I never, ever, ever thought that I would be this happy and feel this free and this connected to who I really am. So I just, I'm most excited about helping as many people as I possibly can feel that way. Fantastic. Man, I love that analogy that you used. Like you ate at a super awesome restaurant you just wanted yeah. to share. That is a, such a great analogy. And so where can people find this podcast of yours? What's it called and where can they find it? It's called Over It and On With It. You know, help you get over it and on with it, whatever your it is. So it's on, you can go to iTunes, type in over it and on with it. If you don't have iTunes, just go to christinepastor.com slash podcast. Fantastic. All right. So, Christine, what is, um, when you think of the word success, who is the first person that comes to mind? Oh, my gosh. Um, this is a random answer, but this, honestly, the first person that came to mind was Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Because to me, like, he embodies authenticity and light and love. And, um, you know, despite anyone's religious belief, Jesus as a man and what he represents, to me, is like, wow, that is someone living their truth so much that they're willing to die for it. Yeah, and, and you're so right. I wish people could look objectively at different people like Jesus, the Buddha, yeah. all these different people because – they, if we could just follow their example as people, you know, forget the religious denominations, right. we would all be living such greater, more fulfilling lives. I think that's an incredible answer. And so besides the books that you've written, what book or books do you uh, gift the most to other people? Gosh, it depends on where I am in my life. Um, one that I've been gifting a lot lately, well, two, because I coach people on their businesses, too. I have a mastermind group, and um, – when people get closer to their dreams, it's amazing how the closer you get to your dreams, the more your resistance comes up. <laughs> oh, no, I'm getting what I want. The ego likes to fight. So there's two in that. The Big Leap um, by Jay Hendricks is all about, like, the upper limits problems and, like, what happens when we get close to what we want. And another one on that same um, topic is The Art of War, uh, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Short little book. People great read all about resistance. If you're having trouble getting motivated or your resistance coming up, get one of those too. And then the other one I highly recommend is um, The Science of Getting Rich. It was written by Wallace Waddles in 1912, and it's all about wealth consciousness. And I think for all of us, especially entrepreneurs, one area of your life that is imperative to clean up is the wealth consciousness. And I think that book is, is very well written and, you know, it's been around since 1912. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yep, yeah, and it's, it's been time-tested. Awesome. So, obviously, guys listening, I will link to all these in the show notes. And, Christine, so besides your podcast, besides this podcast here, what other online resource or podcast do you recommend? Um, well, let's see. I mean, I can talk about my friends. So, I love Ruth House. I'm full of greatness. I love Jordan's Art Charm. I think those are both really great. Um, I personally love Rob Bell as well. And for women, I listen to, like, I love Allie Brown's Masculine Ambition, my friend Terry Cole's Hello Freedom, Alexander Davidson's Cravecast. Like, 
Yeah, there there really are so many. I and mean, those are all awesome, awesome resources. I, I know Jordan personally that they're all fantastic resources. So thank you for sharing. And one last question here. Um so if you had to pick one part of your daily routine to do for the rest of your life, if you couldn't do any other parts of your routine, what would that one part be and why? My morning meditation. Because it's like um I feel energetically naked if I don't do it. It's the one thing that reminds me of who I am, helps me get out of my head, you know, having a monkey mind has been something that I've had to work on. Um, and it reminds me to get out of my ego, connects me to being of service. And this is like, I don't know, it's just precious to me. Fantastic. And do you, do you practice a particular uh, form of meditation? There were particular forms I studied to help me, but now I just have my own way that, that I kind of invented for myself. Got it. All right. Awesome. So we always end the show with our guests sharing their favorite quote. So, Christine, what is your favorite quote? Be the change you want to see in the world. There you have it. Hi, Gandhi. <laughs> I know it's a used one, but I mean, you know, it's, it's so true. We so want to, like, make change and impact change, but we can't do it until we really become it. Yeah, you're spot on, and I think you embody that very well, like you, like you hit on a couple times already. You know, you didn't have the resource as far as the book that was going to show you the way, so you just created it yourself. I think you're doing incredible, incredible things. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to as far as social media or your personal site, uh, where can they reach you at? Oh, yeah, I'm loving social media lately. So find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, those are where I'm mainly out. So Facebook and Instagram, Christine Hassler. And then Twitter, my name is too long. Christine, <laughs> I know it's Christine without the E at the end. So C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-H-A-S-S-L-E-R. And then my website is ChristineHassler.com. Fantastic. All right, Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you ha- uh, coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. Thanks for asking such great questions and for the work you're doing in the world. Yeah, thank you. Same to you. All right, guys, that is it. We will see you next week. And uh, there it is, my interview with Miss Christine Hassler. Thank you guys so much for making it all the way through that episode. There's no doubt in my mind that you gained at least some insight, wisdom, experience, knowledge from that interview. Christine has been doing this for over a decade. She is fantastic at what she does. And Christine, I just want to take this time to say thank you for taking time out of your day to share with the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast all of your wisdom and experience that you have learned thus far in life. I know, speaking for myself, I learned a ton from chatting with you and listening to this interview, so thank you so much. And guys, for those of you who did brave the elements that that is the the less than stellar sound quality due to this being an over-the-phone interview and my phone recording equipment was absolutely terrible, as you can tell... Uh, for those of you who, who did brave brave that, we want to give you a little something something just to just to say thank you uh, the yield mastermind talks way. So any and everybody who either leaves a comment on uh, this podcast or goes to yieldmastermind.com or the rocketfuel 101 book.com and leaves a comment there or even sends us an email that would be 
yieldmastermind at gmail.com. We are going to give you a free copy of the audiobook of Rocket Fuel 101. That is the book just recently released by JT Burns and myself. This is just our way of saying thank you, our way of appreciating you tuning into the show and listening all the way through and, and learning the wisdom that Christine shared with us. We want to give this away to anybody and everybody. So like I said, for those of you who leave a comment anywhere and everywhere on the internet, it could be our social, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can check us out on our blog, any of those sites, leave us a comment, let us know that you listened to the interview and you'd like the free copy, we'll get that directly to you. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is your host, Philip Randazzo, signing out.